Whether I'm turkey hunting, scouting, or glassing for game, I never go into the woods without my Vortex Optics. With their VIP warranty, I can go with confidence because it'll replace any glass damaged in the woods. I dropped my binoculars out of the deer stand last fall, and Vortex got me fixed up and back in the tree in no time. Vortex makes the highest quality and affordable rangefinders, binoculars, and scopes on the market. Y'all check them out at vortexoptics.com. Support for this episode comes from Kuat Racks. Kuat makes industry-changing products, including kayak, bike, and truck bed racks for the Ozark Outdoorsman, manufactured with the utmost care to quality, style, and longevity. With their lifetime, no worries, limited warranty, they stand behind their products like no other company. Most importantly, Kuat gives back to the community and makes positive impacts on the environment by partnering with grassroots groups. Through their Future Forest Initiative, they plant one tree for conservation with each rack sold. Kuat is based in Springfield, Missouri, and proudly supports all things Ozarks, including this show. Visit kuat.com for more information. What ended up happening is that we dove into this thing. And I'm not saying nobody wrote stories about bears. People did. But the outdoor industry in 2013 was deathly afraid to talk about bears. Bear hunting's going to be big. You can hunt bears more places you can hunt white-tailed deer. I mean, I scratched up the money and, and got a computer and built a magazine. You're listening to the Ozark Podcast. We sit down with men and women from the Ozarks that have a passion for the outdoors. Our aim is to listen, learn, and pass along their knowledge and experiences to help you become a better outdoorsman. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Ozark Podcast. As always, we have another great episode for y'all today. Kyle and I got to hang out with Mr. Clay Newcomb. Now, this episode was so packed with good information and great stories, we decided to break this up into a two-part episode. So today, you're going to hear part one, and part two will come out next week. On today's episode, you're going to hear about Clay's early childhood and how he became the hunter that he is today, the first time Clay killed a bear, and lastly, at the end of the episode, you're going to hear a cool story, which I've never heard before, about the first time that Steve Ranella reached out to Clay about joining the Meat Eater team. So I hope you guys enjoy it and stick around for part two next week. We have got another special episode for y'all. Kyle, where are we at tonight? Uh, we're in a cabin. Or would you call this a cabin? An office. I call it the global headquarters. We're at the global HQ. headquarters of uh, the HQ of Bear Grease fame, Meat Eater fame. But just good old fella from Arkansas. That's right. We are we are joined by Clay Newcomb, and um, man, we're excited to get to hang out with you. Excited to get to talk. And yeah, man, I've been following you guys. I've just been begging to be on the podcast for years. Just hitting us up. We're like Clay, man, we we can't and do it right now. Keep <laughs> keep being like, man, we got we got Tim Ernst coming. We got Joe Wilson coming. We got these guys. Maybe we'll get you next year. Maybe next year. No, it's it's good to get down here and get to hang out. I'm I'm curious for all the things that you do. You know, when you're out to a dinner party or you're at the, the store and someone asks what you do for a living, what do you say? How do you answer that question? I tell them I'm in outdoor media. All right. We're hunting, start hunting conservation media. Yeah. And depending on how much they want to dig, I might, you know, say, do you know the company Meat Eater or whatever. Open you know? it up a little bit. Yeah. I wanted to 
kick it off with some kind of rapid fire. Get Let's to go. Get to know right. your questions. And so I'll start with hunting and then we'll I'll kind of transition over to some fishing. So these are going to be some would you rather questions, okay? Okay. Duck hunt or turkey hunt? Turkey hunt. That was quick. Bear hunt or elk hunt? Bear hunt. Whitetail or mule deer? Whitetail. Come on. <laughs> All right, this one's interesting. Predator trapping or predator hunting? Predator hunting. Hunting, okay. All right, now I'm going to switch switch gears. We're going to go fishing here. Okay. Smallmouth or trout? That's, that's I'm not even going to answer that. Smallmouth. Come on, there he is. That's the right answer. <laughs> There's uh, no native trout in Arkansas. No, sir. Okay. Even though we've got world-class trout fishing. We do. Native. We do. Yeah. Okay, lake fishing or stream fishing? Stream fishing. Okay, here's one. Spin rod or fly rod? Spin rod. Spinning oh, and sinning. You know, <laughs> I, I, I saw you... You uh you fishing the other day on Instagram and and you were sporting what they call a, a hippie stick, mm-hmm. and you were throwing the fly rod and um and I'm curious how what what was that experience like for you? You know I've been around fly fishing quite a bit and have and have fly fished. Well, I fly fished a fair bit, but I do not consider myself a fly fisherman for okay. no for no. I'm not against it at all. Yeah. Uh, you know my good buddy Josh Lambridge, spillmaker. Big fly fisherman. My son, big fly fisherman. My brother, big fly fisherman. I just had to make a decision 20 years ago when I, when my kids were born and I was an entrepreneur and doing a lot of different stuff. I just, I, I knew I couldn't be passionate about fishing. And, and I pretty much cold turkey quit. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I grew up, Grew up catfishing, grew up smallmouth bass fishing and little mountain creeks, loved it. Um, but I have fished re- comparatively to hunting very little in the last 20 years. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And it, it was just a choice I had to make. Would hunting just, take up all of your time year round or was it making it family time and really making sure that's important? And then when it's hunting season, I'm hunting. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, you know, I've, I've fished probably a little bit every year in different places, but I've, I don't own a boat. I don't own good fishing tackle. Um, but, you know, I we we jug fish for catfish some. We do we do some stuff, and I, and I I feel like I it's funny because I feel like I love it and am passionate about it. My son's been catching some really nice brownie bass. Yeah, and I mean it, it is no it. no. I mean I, I I told him it's like man this is major you know catching brownie bass this is this is big time. I know the excitement. I love it. Grew up doing that, but uh, but kind of had to make a dedicated decision to to be specialized. Yeah. No, I get that. I mean, it's it's easy to kind of want to do it all, mm-hmm. but if you really want to dive in and go deep, especially with you know with bear hunting magazine, like we talked about, you're really focusing in on very specifically kind of one thing, even within the the hunting world. Yeah, um, I, I was for, I that, and we can talk we can talk about this. Yeah, that would be the perception because the media that I made was very hyper focused. Okay. But I never really stopped doing all the other stuff, even though I've I did focus specifically on bear and prioritized bear for basically a decade. Okay, yeah. But um, but we can talk about that. But that's I, people say that, and from this side, it's like, well, I mean, I've whitetail bow hunted every year since I was twelve, mm-hmm. you know, and and honestly, and am 
as passionate about whitetail bow hunting as anything I do. But that's not where I've made media and kind of interfaced with people. Right. You know. Well, I mean, you look around and, and the cameras aren't picking it up, but I look at this wall behind me and I see that's very much true. Yeah. This is, does yeah. Not, this is not a, a wall of a man who only bear hunts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you talked a little bit, uh, and I think it's a good transition. Let's just go all the way back. Where'd you grow up? How'd you grow up um, spending your time? And, and what were you into growing up? And kind of how did that lead into a, a life of hunting? So grew up here in Arkansas. My, my dad was a part of kind of the bow hunting revolution of the 1970s when bow, bow companies started making good bows. And there was just this bow hunting revolution. He was a part of that. So I just grew up, grew up with a dad who loved bow hunt. He was kind of a weekend warrior, but took it as serious as he could. And um, so I never knew a life without bow hunting in that I just remember as a kid, my dad would go hunting and I would just be waiting at the door for him to come home, hoping he had a deer in the back of his oh, truck. and. You know, there's a picture of me when I was in preschool on uh, a Thanksgiving a Thanksgiving day when we had some big play. I was dressed up like an Indian. My dad killed a deer, brought it to the school, took me out of school in my little Indian outfit and took a picture of me by that deer. <laughs> and, I mean, I just, I just was pumped from the very beginning about deer hunting. Started shooting a bow when I was in the third grade could pull 40 pounds back in the day you had to pull 40 pounds to be able to bow hunt in arkansas was he shooting a recurve at that point or no a compound okay. you know compounds came in really in the 70s okay there were a lot of pretty good compound bows technology really increased so when i was in the fourth grade i could shoot a bow legally in arkansas started hunting and it was it was several years before i killed a deer i think i was I was 15 before I killed a deer with a bow, but he was so serious about bow hunting. A lot of my friends killed deer before me because they were rifle hunting. He and started you off with a bow and was like, this is what we're going to do. Yeah, there was no, oh, so there great. was no, it, we didn't, we didn't hunt with rifles, you know, we bow hunted and, uh, and that's what he wanted me to do. And, and so I was 15 before I killed a deer with a bow, but simultaneous to that, when I was my grandfather, who uh, was a Baptist pastor in Western Arkansas? His whole life, he was a he was a quail hunter, bird dog man. That was that was what he did. He was a that was back when we still had quail in every little hole and field. Yeah, yeah for sure. We we had well, you know, through the eighties, really they had quite a few. Well, a lot of quail, and so I grew up around bird dogs and him being an elite bird dog trainer. And uh, I remember when I was probably 12, he gave me a book. Um, oh, my goodness. I can't remember the name of it. It's up here somewhere. He gave me, at the time, what was one of the best bird dog training books in the country, a guy out of uh, Oklahoma. I mean, my whole life, I've remembered his name. And I read that book as a kid. He gave me a bird dog. We, uh, I had kind of a dog you have? I had an English setter and I had a pointer at a different time. We had a couple of cubbies of quail behind our house, and I, 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 we hunted quail all the time, rarely with a gun. Dad wouldn't let me carry a gun because I would hunt by myself. And me and me and Lucy, the English setter, would just find that covey of quail 
every day. I mean, we found those quail all the time, and I'd flush them up just like I was hunting and then go find the singles and report back to my grandpa. And so quail hunted. And then, but we ne- rarely killed wild quail. Th- these quail were in a place we really couldn't shoot guns and hunt. Yeah. There's a little small little pocket that had some quail. You were just kind of chasing them to get the, the experience. Yeah, and just learn to, to love these dogs. And then uh, we got into coon dogs. A buddy of mine's family coon hunted and uh, got my first, went in partners with my good buddy and got our first blue tick, registered blue tick coon hounds when I was 14 years old and hunted all through high school. That was a key element of my, of what I did is, is we, we coon hunted, got rid of my dogs when I went to college. But so I was bow hunting, quail hunting, turkey hunting. I mean, it was back to when we had a lot more turkeys than we have today right. in the early nineties and mid nineties. Turkey hunting it's like was the, the heyday of turkey hunting. It really yeah, was. Yeah, it was. And, uh, I was growing up in rural Arkansas. I mean, two hours from here. And, uh, so we kind of did it all, you know, for here, except bear hunt. We didn't bear hunt because at that time, you know, the Arkansas bear story, I mean, you, I know you guys have done podcasts about that, but they reinstated the Arkansas bear season in 1980. And it was a, it was a very limited season in that you could just hunt them in national, you could just, just hunt them like deer. Like there was no bait, no hounds, no mechanism to, to kill bears very easily and very few bears were killed it was difficult um and so it was just not something we pursued and then in 2001 the second year i was in college the game and fish that's when they opened up where you could bait bear on private land in two zones here in arkansas and it it really opened up the floodgates for bear hunters to actually have access to really kill bears and so me and dad baited the bear that year we didn't know anything about it we didn't know anything about bears but in 2001 i killed a bear and i man i'm i'm not even it's not even open for debate anymore uh i used to i used to open the floor with like you know unless somebody disputes me I'm going to say this anymore. I just definitively declare. <laughs> this is the truth. I was the first guy in the state of Arkansas to kill a bear legally over bait because I killed one at the <laughs> crack of dawn. <laughs> day the one. crack of on dawn one. on October 1st, 2001. Like you can barely see the ground. Yeah. And I killed a bear <laughs> on the first day. It yeah. was legal. And I say the first legal one. I'm clearly I'm joking. I mean, there's no way to prove that. There's no honor in that. I it's like just, it. Sounds like a good, but it's, it's good it's rationale. Out on the internet there now, were so it's proven. Yeah. There were guys. There were guys that we knew down where we lived that were killing bears over bait before that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I say legal. Legal. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. But, but, so and and I'm skipping over the family stuff because there's some. You know, during that time, I got married, and and uh, I even had a, had our first daughter when I killed that bear in two thousand one. I can go back a little bit, but yeah, let me go ahead and say when I when I killed that bear, we we had proficiency in everything that we hunted. You know, I knew 
where the turkeys were and, and when they bred and how to call them in and what side of the mountain they were on and deer. We understood them. We knew we knew what deer trails were and what deer sign looked like and where to kill them and how to kill them. And this bear killed it. I was I was 21 years old. Walked up to it and was just in shock at the at this incredible beast that was on the ground. Yeah. And it felt like it felt hollow to me at age 21. And, I, and the way I describe it, and it's kind of dumb that I would have to do this, but like there weren't TV cameras, there weren't, there was no podcast. Like I look back, there, there was nothing, there wasn't, it wasn't hype. Like it was legitimate. Like I just was like, I just killed a, a great animal here. And back then, <laughs> nobody knew that. I mean, when we when we first started hunting, the general vibe in the state of Arkansas was that this was a vermin animal. Really? Hmm. Man, yeah. Not you, like a well respected. You boys came along after after these things had some real value. Okay. But for so long in the state, they were undervalued because they were not they weren't accessible. People didn't kill them. People didn't build culture around them. And people that lived in high bear density areas in the mountainous regions of Arkansas and lower White River drainage kind of hated them. I mean, I'm telling you, I lived in a great place to bear hunt. Bears tore up deer feeders. Bears tore up stands. Bears, guys didn't want to mess with them. Guys thought they were bad food. Vermin mentality to the core. Like, to the point. like a big raccoon, basically. Yeah, yes. Just tear up your stuff. 100%. 100%. And, uh, I mean, to the point when I killed this bear, my dad, I mean, who I'd say this if he was sitting here, I mean, it was kind of like, I'm glad you got that out of the way, yeah. you know? <laughs> and the next year, I was like, man, I'm going to bait bears again and shoot another one. Mm -hmm. And he literally was like, why? Why would you want to shoot another one of those? Hmm. Um, Interesting. And it took... Now we're 23, 22 years into having an accessible season, and we've really built a culture around bear hunting in the state. And we have we have told the world that this is a, mm -hmm. a world class resource that we have, and it's not just Arkansas. I mean, they're 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 all over where 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 they are. They are an incredible beast and resource that we have. And but I'm telling you, back in the day here, there was not. It was just like, killed a bear? Okay, well, good. Cool. That's cool. Real, real quick, you said it felt hollow. What was your mindset going into it? Because if everybody around you is like, they're just vermin, they're in the way, they tear things up, what made you interested to even go after one in the first place? Well, I had, my dad was such a hardcore bow hunter that to him, anything other than a deer really didn't have value. We killed quite a few hogs mm -hmm. back then on public land. So by that time, I had killed several hogs with a bow, and I loved shooting hogs. And my dad would shoot a hog and just kind of be like, why did I even shoot it? I, I don't even want to mess with it. I don't, you know, I love shooting, shooting hogs. Um, I, you know, at the time, I would have been excited about killing anything with a bow. So when I, when I knew that we could hunt bears and have mm -hmm. a good shot at them, I was like, man, yeah, let's kill a bear. Let's do it. And uh, and then I did not know though that it would it would ignite something inside of me that you know would would become a big part of my life, you know. So, but yeah, that's that's kind of that story. Yeah. So 
uh, I know you skipped over some stuff. Um, feel free to go back in, into like school. I'm kind of curious, what did you go to school for? Because I know you went to the U of A. Yeah. What What was your your major? Yeah. So I've got a degree in environmental soil and water science from the U of A. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And what was the original plan with that? <laughs> there was no plan, Kyle. <laughs> um, I, I just knew I needed to go to college. That was just something that was always on the radar. I didn't want to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty much was uh, stiff-armed going into college by my family. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, and it was a great decision. I'm, I'm so glad that I did it. Yeah. And, and my my son is now in that position where he's a senior and, and we're he's talking about not wanting to go to college. And I'm like, man, you should go. Yeah. You should go. It was it was good for me. I never used it officially used the degree a day in my life because when I graduated college, I started my own landscape company, but started it because I wanted to be able to do two things: to raise my young family without a boss telling me where to go and what to do. Okay. And so, and this is what I said from the beginning: so when the white oak leaves turn maroon in the fall, I could be hunting. That's what I. That's what. That's why I had a business. I wasn't passionate about landscaping. I was good enough at it. I worked hard at it. Right. I enjoyed the hard work aspect of it. But I had been doing landscaping in college, and it was right at the big housing boom here in Northwest mm-hmm. Arkansas. And I was like, man, I could probably make as much money just going into business for myself. And uh, and I did. And it, it ended up being an, an, a great decision for me to do that. I just learned so much as an entrepreneur and it allowed me to do a whole bunch of other stuff that I never would have been able to. And that all goes back to my dad. I can't talk about my life without talking about my dad. My dad was a banker. He was a nine, you know, eight to five banker. He was also a bow hunter, a jeeper. He kind of had a dual life where he wore a suit during the day and he came home and he, he did, you know, he was kind of a hillbilly at home. Yeah. That was the, that was the, that was the, (laughs) he, he wouldn't like that terminology, but that's kind (laughs) of the truth. And he, but he always told us, boys, you got to work for yourself. If you don't, if you don't want to be just tied down, he always told us that. And so I was like, okay, I'm going full full hillbilly. This is as he was tied down. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. He's passing on going to do something different. (laughs) Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And, um, and so, and so that's what I did. That's what he told me to do. And so that's what I did. And, uh, yeah, it was risky. It, it might not have worked out the way it did, but, uh, and you know, the whole time we did, we, so I was, I got married when we were young. My wife was 18 when we got married, Okay, barely 18. Yep. I was 21. <laughs> and, uh, man, I mean, this whole time, and, and I don't say this everywhere, but I mean, God's been directing our lives from the very beginning, man. Mm. I mean, the very beginning. It, it wasn't, it seems like happenstance or chance or or a decision that was luck, but it, it really wasn't. I mean, I can go back and just document just how convicted we felt about doing stuff that didn't make sense, doing stuff that some people in our life thought was crazy or mm-hmm. risky or a bad right. decision, and but we were we were like, man, this is what we got to do. This is this is who we are. This is what we do. This is what, and it 
you know, it, it, it's, it's worked out for us so far. So, you know, I've been married now 23 years and we have four children. Two of my daughters are in college Two my two youngest sons are in school. And, um, you know, Misty and I got married young, had kids young. Both of us went to college. Misty now has her PhD. She's got her doctorate. And, you know, she had four kids while she was going to college. Man. You know, and um, that's a grind. It was. Mm-hmm. It was. And and it was uh it was a struggle. And uh, but it 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 built a unique character inside of our family that that I think persists to this day, you know, and it was just our path. And uh, you know, I advise my kids not to get married too young. It's like, ah, you could probably wait a little while. You don't have to do it the way we did. <laughs> yeah. Uh we but yeah, so I'm forty-three now. Okay. And man, I really see after two I, I feel like your life kind of starts when you're twenty. Like before that, it's it's kinda like I would agree with that. You're like in the embryo. <laughs> and uh So you're, you're like uh like coming into junior year of college basically. Or just, just life as you would you want it. I feel like it's can begin starting at twenty. Yeah. Like making your own decisions. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh after one decade, you start to see some of the fruit of what you've built inside of your life. After two decades, you really start to see it. Mm. It's like all the decisions that you made that seemed inconsequential right. when you were 20, you, you reap the fruit of it. You really do. I mean, in so many ways, inside of relationships, inside of, I mean, think, I think about bears. It's like there were a lot of people that, 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 that killed bears during that time. And I, I, uh, I don't know when I killed that bear, I was just like, I mean, I never, I couldn't see what was coming. Yeah. But I knew knew that this was significant and that, you know, pretty quickly I I just kind of latched on to, to this thing that is really just a, I don't give a lot of credit to the actual bear. I, I give credit to, to a pathway that that I feel like God led me on. Mm-hmm. I mean, like very, very uh, miraculously in a lot of ways. Yeah. There's a lot of things to know about hunting turkeys in the Ozarks, but there's two things I know for sure. One, it's that turkeys have really good eyesight, so your camo matters. Canis makes an incredible turkey camo. It is comfortable. It is breathable blends into the background like no other. It is the perfect camouflage for those long sits back up against a white oak tree, hearing those hens and gobblers hold up 200 yards away as I'm just waiting for them to come in. The second thing you gotta know is you have to be prepared for anything. Whether it's a tom sneaking up behind you or a rainstorm coming at you out of nowhere, Canis has you covered. From the Nunavut rain jacket to the chamois fleece hoodie to the alpine pant with built-in knee pads, make sure you have Canis on you for this upcoming turkey season. Use our discount code OZARK for 15% off website or in-store, and good luck this turkey season. Sadly, hunting season in the Ozarks has come to an end. But in these hills and haulers, it's always been the off-season where woodsmen dialed in their equipment to get ready for the next hunt. And there is no better time to dial in your shot grouping with some new gear from Umarex. Our friends over at Umarex produce some of the most accurate air-powered rifles in the world, 
with everything from 22 caliber guns for squirrels and rabbits, 30 calibers for coyotes, bobcats, and coons, all the way up to 50 caliber air rifles that can take down white-tailed deer, feral hogs, and bear. Umarex leads the industry in accuracy and innovation, making some of the best hunting air guns on the market, hands down. Head on over to umarexusa.com and use our discount code Ozark Air for 12% off your entire order and start getting dialed in for your next hunt. And, um, but so two decades in, man, you're going to be reaping the fruit Seeing of your life. The fruit. That's awesome, man. So, so then walk me through from, from that day, I guess the, the day you, you killed your first bear over bait. How did that turn into like, what captivated you about that enough to where you're like, you know what? I've got my landscaping company here, but I really want to do something more around bear hunting. And and then how did that turn into bear hunting magazine? Yeah. So, so I was in college, killed this bear, went back to Fayetteville and went to the U of A library and, and found all the research thesis projects of PhD students that had gone through the U of A that had studied bears. There were about four people that had gotten their PhDs on bears at that time, maybe just even three. Very, It was all the research that had ever been done on Arkansas bears. And, Is and it pretty old research too? Like it was from the early from... 90s. It was oh, okay. a guy named, uh, oh, it's been so long. I memorized those books. I, I, it was it was two pretty well known researchers in Arkansas, mm-hmm. and they did all their research in the from like ninety from eighty eight to ninety five, and it was all the research that we'd ever had. But they documented what would become what biologists at the time called the greatest restor- the greatest reintroduction of large carnivores in the world. Right. They were the ones that said that in those thesis projects. So they kind of coined that. They made those declarations okay. based upon colleagues and, and peer review. I mean, it was legitimate. But I read those thesis projects and just memorized data. I mean, I really did. I, I, I just was fascinated with it. And that's where I read that Arkansas used to be called the Bear State. Man, I'm telling you, in 2001, there weren't 100 people in this state that knew that. I, I'm exaggerating. But just people didn't. Like, that just wasn't, wasn't common knowledge. It wasn't. It was not. Hmm. And now just about every, everybody, I imagine, could tell you that. I feel like yeah. most We used to be that. the Bear State. Now we're the natural state. Whatever. I'm, I mean, and, and, you know, obviously I had this little world over here and I'd never heard that. But I'm telling you, people didn't know that. Yeah. It was, it was, those books hadn't, I, those books hadn't been opened up in so long. And, and I was just fascinated by this research and began to, to, to build this history that we had with bears here in Arkansas. And I was fascinated by it. And, uh, and then just enjoyed hunting bears more and more. And, uh, actually between, that and Bear Hunting Magazine, I started an organization called the Arkansas Black Bear Association. Uh, have you, did y'all ever know about that? No. Yeah, you guys are too young. How old are y'all? 28. 28. Oh, you guys are just, you guys are in diapers when this was happening, <laughs> man. Uh, no, I, in 2010, I started an organization called the Arkansas Black Bear Association. Okay. It was in, in existence for about five years. At one time, we had about 400 members. We had a magazine called the Arkansas Bear and Buck Journal. Um, and I was doing this just after hours while I was landscaping. And the idea was to have a, 
a, a nonprofit hunting conservation organization for bears. And um, it went it, it went really well. I mean, we had – it was the first time that I had published a magazine. I'll show you some of the magazines that we produce. They're funny to me now. But, I mean, I scratched up the money and, and got a computer and built a magazine and went around the state and got stories. And this is one-man show. Yeah. You're landscaping, family, and then kids go to bed. Yeah. Building a magazine. And we, we first made two issues a year, then four issues a year. We did it for five years. And uh, and then I pretty much shut it down when uh, I acquired Bear Hunting Magazine, okay. which was in 2013 through the Arkansas Black Bear Association. I had become friends with the guy who owned Bear Hunting Magazine. So you stated earlier so that I've, I started. I misspoke I, when I said you were the founder. No, I, I don't think I knew that. I, I did not start Bear Hunting Magazine. Bear Hunting Magazine started in Becker, Minnesota in 2000, in oh, the year 2000. Okay. And so uh, a guy, a really nice fella, had, had he and his wife ran it for 14 years, and it was a successful business. It kind of started at the peak of the magazine world, like 2001. Mm-hmm. I mean, the internet wasn't that big. Yeah. Um, but But magazines were still really something people were very interested in. And I'd started this regional bear association, so I reached out to the Bear Hunting Magazine. One day I just typed in, something, saw something online about Bear Hunting Magazine. Yeah, in, uh, back in the dial-up AOL yeah, days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I subscribed to this magazine. I got it in the mail. I remember thinking it was like a kind of a antiquated magazine you know like it, it it wasn't too fancy but it was legitimate there were stories about bears from all over the country and bear outfitters and it was in the, you know it was a neat magazine and um and then i i, I told this the, the editor yada yada i i've got a bear association would you do would you write it about it in your magazine and we kind of became friends and very long story short I started working for him doing his social media. Okay. Uh, just, I mean, basically volunteered. I said, dude, you got to have a Facebook page. That would be good for your business. It was right, like 2011, kind of a, when Facebook was starting to pop up. Okay. So and, this is pa- way past the AOL dial-up internet Well, days. at this time, yeah, okay. it would have been. It <laughs> okay. would have been. Yeah. Now, when he started it in 2000, it would have been like that. Gotcha. So this is, yeah, this is, internet's pretty, rolling pretty good. And... I was uh, I start I built him a a Facebook page, Bear Hunting Magazine, and it's it's real funny to hear him tell the story. I convinced him he needed a Facebook page, and he was willing to pay for it. And he thought it was going to be like fifteen hundred bucks a month or something. Like, no way. He thought it was going to be big. He's like, I better get the wallet out. Here we go. Well, and and he said <laughs> he was like, Clay, what would you charge me to do this for me? And I was like. Hundred bucks, <laughs> and he was like, "Okay, sweet." And uh, he didn't. The other fourteen hundred back in his pocket. He yeah. didn't tell me oh, okay. until until years later when I bought the magazine from him. He was like, "Yeah, I really expected to pay a lot more for that," <laughs> but it was not. It was uh, it it. Oh shoot, I would have done it for for free. Yeah, you know? and uh, but but the the relationship that we built through that. Two years later, in 2013, he he basically wanted to get out. Just like all of a sudden, he was he was just like, "We're done," 
and um, he 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 made it possible for me to own the magazine. I mean, we kind of worked out a deal that was very generous and and beneficial to me, and um, and acquired Bear Honey Magazine on July first, twenty thirteen, and and I had built my landscape business. When when I first talked to him, he was like, "Well, what about your business? I mean, can you just like stop?" Mm-hmm. And I and and it 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 was interesting because I had uh, at at a, at one time I had some crews and was really trying to build up a bigger business with employees and man, I just never was very good at that. Mm-hmm. I, I was I was really good at dealing with people and giving them what they wanted and me doing the work, but I just, I was always frustrated. I could never really build what I thought I was supposed to be building. Just never worked out. Yeah. And, uh, when I got the email from him about the business, I was working by myself and, and I remember talking to him on the phone and he was like, well, Clay, what about your business? And I said, Man, I got three days left on this job, and I don't owe anybody any money. I can do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. I'll just park my tractor and get this business from you, you know. And it was pretty unique in that I I could just stop, you know. You could turn it off like that. Just just turned it off. Yeah. yeah, and it was it was a major deal too. I mean, I had a young family. I mean, at that time, golly, my kids were. I mean, all my kids were, you know, probably. I don't know how old they would have been. It was 10 years ago. Yeah. So, you know, they were young and depended on me. And, and so it was a risky financial decision. You know, it was kind of like, is it smart to buy a magazine in 2013? You know, yeah. is this a good deal? Uh, is this All in on paper. Yep. Paper print. Yep. I just, But we just felt like it was what we needed to do. And we did it. And it worked. And it was a great business. It really was. It was a great business. And uh, we did a lot to it. You know, I knew that we needed to modernize it. And we got a new website. And we started a YouTube channel. We Mm -hmm. started a podcast. And we just started revitalizing the content and branching out. And and I kind of took a aggressive role inside the magazine of, of, you know, I I was like, I've got to become... I got to know the world, man. Yeah. I, I I wanted to know bear hunting with dogs and hunt spot and stalk in the West and baiting bears in Arkansas and hunting Canada and going to Alaska brown bear hunting. I mean, I really set out to know every possible way to hunt a bear in in North America. And again, I. We dove into more stuff in 10 years than had ever been documented. I mean, really? We, yeah. I mean, there was, there was nobody that was putting out the kind of media that we were just about. Man, the dog hunting world. I had a guy, a very prominent guy in the outdoor industry, when he heard that I got the magazine, I saw him at a trade show. We're talking about the magazine. He was familiar with it. Yeah. Guy I looked up to. You'd know his name if I said it. And he said, Clay, he said, let me tell you, let me give you one piece of advice for this magazine. Forget the dogs. He said, that's dying. It's over. You don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. And I was sitting there, and I had this background in coon hunting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But really very, very little knowledge of bear hunting with hounds at the time. And, you know, 
I, I just like was I just knew I was like I didn't say this to him, but I just said you are dead wrong. You're wrong. You're you are dying <laughs> on the vine, <laughs> and I don't you know it's just intuition. And man, we started diving into the bear hound world, and it is one of the richest hunting cultures in this country. Mm-hmm. It it truly is. I mean, there 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 it is one of the most unique hunting traditions in the country oldest i mean golly all this stuff is sitting in tree stands and tree saddles like that's not tradition no that's the that's new school yeah i I, I love it i love it yeah but hunting with hounds that is old school american yeah and uh and we tapped into that and we tapped into these authentic characters and i traveled all over and went to appalachia and went to all over the place and found these houndsmen and and started writing about them and and people we were the only people speaking up for hounds now there's podcasts and stuff right man i just thought i was writing my death sentence i really did like i i my whole that time i i had gotten at well i i've already skipped over a bunch of stuff i i had started out my career before arkansas bear and buck journal writing whitetail articles okay Hundred percent. In in two thousand eight, had my first article ever published about that deer that I killed right there. Oh, um, yeah. Did you just always want to be a writer? Like, no. Nah. God, it sounds like you've you've been writing it every every step of the way, kind of through yeah. this. Why? Oh, I've never never had any intentions to be in the outdoor space, or never. It was never like my goal. I want to do this. I just kind of just stuff happened, mm-hmm. and I just did it. Oh, and you wanted to hunt. When, wanted to hunt. When yeah. the fall came around, you wanted to do your own thing. Yeah. I think I have heard pieces of that story, but if you want to tell it in a... Let me figure out a way to tie this, because I, okay. I realized <laughs> I missed a big piece of... I got into all this through freelance outdoor riding about whitetails. Okay. But let me let me go back to my hound deal, then I'll come back to that buck. Okay. I I felt like that I had... People, p- other people told me that I was making a mistake by getting into even the bear world, coming like taking myself out of the whitetail world. Mm-hmm. It was like, why do pe- people don't care about bears? Kind of coming from that vermin mentality. And, and, over. and I and I kind of thought, yeah, you're right, they don't. Yeah, but I didn't care. It's like I I I knew this is what I was supposed to do, wanted to do. I saw something, and uh, and honestly, I felt like I was just signing the paperwork to just be an obscure. <laughs> person in the outdoor industry a hillbilly i mean i really did it's like yeah. I, it's never occurred to me uh that you know anything significant would happen in the outdoor space but what hap- what ended up happening is that we dove into this this thing that and i'm not saying nobody wrote stories about bears people did but the outdoor industry in 2013 was deathly afraid to talk about bears. Mm. Nobody was ma- today. There's bear spring bear hunting stories. There's bear hunting stories everywhere, and I love it. It's it's what we needed. It's what we wanted. 2013, 10 years ago, that was not happening. I say it's crazy to me that it's only been a decade. Yeah, it feels Seriously. like it feels like, like a 30 lot. years ago to me. Maybe just because there has been so much talk and so many new personalities or people who are excited about it and passionate about it, but. Yeah, I mean, I if you would have asked me without knowing the story, how long have we been passionate about bears in Arkansas or just in the West, anywhere to hunt them and tra- like track them and dogs and all of it, I would have said, yeah, 30 or 40 years, easily. 
at least when we ki- like the bear season kicked off. Yeah, it's legal to hunt them. It had to have been as long as right. that. Yeah, it's only been ten years. It's that's crazy. I mean, and, and you know, you're gonna find the guy that's like, oh man, I've been hunting bears. Sure, but but I'm telling you, the the well in the in the the bear hunting rising to the top rising inside of North America has also coincided with bear populations expanding rapidly. Mm-hmm. I mean, Actually, and that's something that we were seeing 10 years ago. And it's like, Hey, bear hunting is going to be big, you know, in, in, and it's widespread. You can hunt bears more places. You can hunt white-tailed deer. Mm. I mean, bears, really? bears, the natural range of the black bear is the, is the, the second, largest natural range of any big game animal in North America behind the mountain lion from the Atlantic coast to the Pacific coast, from the Arctic circle down into old Mexico, minus the great plains, you know, what naturally would have been Kansas, Nebraska, like literally treeless plains minus that section. Black bears are everywhere. Mm. And right now we're seeing a lot of repopulation in these places that didn't, that that their bears were extirpated, mm-hmm. um, and so, um, you know, so when I say you can hunt bears in more places and you can hunt white-tailed deer, really, I'm talking about natural distribution of animals. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, and now there, but and, and and bears are number two in the in the record books behind white-tailed deer. You know, if you're a bow hunter, there's a High probability that the first animal you're going to take is a deer, and the second animal is going to be a bear. But we started talking about hunting with hounds. We started finding these characters, these gems of guys that just never thought the world would care what they did. We started taking baiting bears head on. I mean, like if oh man, it's it's such it's so my soapbox. If somebody wants to talk about ethics. And hunting bears and 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 comparing it to whatever else they hunt, I will debate any person on any place on any planet on any day on any platform. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to like hunting bears over bait. I yeah. mean, there, I, there's other ways I like to hunt them better, but it is an incredibly effective management tool for hard, harvesting older age bears in places that have thick vegetation. It's a management tool. It's it's an incredible thing that allows you to be uh, intimate and up close with a big game animal, unlike any other hunt in North America. Mm. I mean, you know, th- th- being close to, I mean, how many bighorn sheep hunters are, you know, up close and personal yeah. and watching right. their animal like 10 yards from, I mean, th- there's a lot of, and, and, and I'm not, I would rather not kill a bear over bait. I'd rather kill one out just out in the national forest, you know? So it's not about that, but it's about, don't be playing your little higher than now elite yeah. like baiting bears is oh man I love it now I wish we had somebody here who had an opposing viewpoint no oh, I would smack Dan, I would embarrass them let's get Dan on the mic and see Dan if you I will you will go home embarrassed I don't I don't know if Dan has an, a viewpoint period I don't think he does <laughs> no no, no, no. I, I'm, I'm, com- I'm coming off hot I don't want to sound arrogant I, it's just hard when you're right so much. Um, but uh, no, well, I, mean, I just my point is mm-hmm. is that for a long time, even in the outdoor space, hunting bears over bait was kind of like the redheaded stepchild yeah. of the hunting industry. People yeah. didn't want to talk like a about taboo, it. Like we just don't touch it. It's yeah, people were afraid to touch it. They were afraid to talk about hunting with dogs hmm. and all this stuff. And uh, and it's just 
it's just it's a you know bears live in such a wide geographic swath of the country that you have to use different tactics if you really want to consistently be able to manage them through hunting yeah like you need you know in 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 2001 the arkansas game of fish decided that we were going to manage our bears with bow hunters on private land over bait like a strategic Mm -hmm. decision this is is where we're going to do it they could have used dogs uh they could not have used hunting in national forests just turning the guys loose like it it would not have worked right uh they we could not have killed the bear anyway i i'm i'm uh intentionally trying to stoke the fire there just because i i i i, uh, <laughs> I can tell you're passionate up. i am i am i am I, uh, i'm, I'm kind of curious i want to hear you know of of going on that tour of the country and around north america maybe kind of one story that stands out going and, and finding different ways to chase bears whether it be hounds over bait stock spot and stock do you kind of have a memory from that period and that time in your life that stands out as like man that was epic like i i want to chase that feeling all the time you know i there were i like hunting bears in a lot of different ways i mean some of the most some of the most rewarding bear hunts i've been on have been out west spot and stock when i've taken my mules out to different places out there and hunted um it 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 was um it was a lot of that kind of hunting that i love you know rifle hunting big country new country with the mules it was an adventurous 30 hour drive up there with with my mules and that there was just a lot of that that i really loved um the i killed a bear in saskatchewan in uh i think it was 2017 and we were 22 miles from the nearest road we were we were going up a river system 22 okay. miles from the nearest road from the road where we left the truck we're 22 miles and that was the closest road in the other direction east of us the nearest road was like 58 miles okay <laughs> so we're in like a 70 plus almost 80 80 80 mile swath of wilderness yeah and in, in, out there in canada that is common. Yeah. Here, that would be the most remote place in the lower 48. I mean, like, they say, it's debated, that the most remote place in the lower 48 states is the headwaters of the Yellowstone River Okay. Um, in Wyoming. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as I've been told, it's like 36 miles from a road, you know. And that's the most remote place that we have in the lower 48. Alaska has much, is a whole different animal. But Canada is also a whole different animal. Lots of wilderness. And so we're bear hunting there and 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 hunting on the ground, had a traditional bow and had a bear, a big male bear come in that I'm convinced had never seen a human. The outfitter who we were working with had never seen this bear on camera. And it showed up and just the way it acted. And it was the bear that came in and touched my arrow I don't know if you've seen that. Um, I've seen that. I know yeah, for a fact. Yeah. Have you seen it, Kyle? I don't think so. Yeah. Like yeah. YouTube it later. It's it, walking by and like well, got that close to you. It's in, your, you're saying? in your face. It it was so the the video went viral. Like I see it almost every week okay. on some <laughs> random Instagram page. It comes up on your for you page and you're so like, it does all the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's pretty funny. No, but it went viral on our bear hunting magazine page. Um, nah, this bear just comes in and he, he sees me, I'm on the ground and I'm wanting to shoot the bear and he 
he comes in and and basically gets so close to me, I backpedal and use my arrow to poke him in the nose. And when he when it when it when it pokes him, he stands up on his hind legs oh, about three gosh. quarters of the way and smells of me and Brent Reeves and uh then drops down on all fours and I shoot him at about three yards. No way. Um oh my that was a unique experience. Just though it was the only time I've ever really been uh threatened yeah. i mean i've had bears like woof and and stomp around and right. pop their teeth like that's pretty common in the bear world but uh that was the only time i've ever really thought okay this is what it feels like right before you get roughed up by a bear yeah not you a know? great feeling sure but <laughs> no but you know i've enjoyed hunting bears in appalachia with uh roy clark and and some some of the guys out there um, I enjoyed, I hunted this last year on Prince of Wales in Alaska and, uh, uh, killed a bear while I was in the ocean. Yeah. I think I saw that. Yeah. I used a wetsuit and swam up to a bear. That was pretty cool. Have y'all released that video or talked about it yet? No. Okay. I was going to ask questions, but I don't know if there's oh, you a can, policy uh, you, there. <laughs> you, yeah, we 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 have talked about it. Okay. We have talked about it. Um, you want to? It'll be on. It'll be an episode of, pretty sure, an episode of Meat Eater. Okay. Okay. At some point, pretty soon. Okay. You want? Yeah. You want to tell it here too? Oh, uh, I mean, I uh, sure. I, I've willing, told I'd it a couple it. Of times. Nah, we just so we were hunting Southeast Alaska, and the way that you hunt the bears there is the the tides swing very widely. It's one of the, as I understand it. It's one that has one of the widest, biggest tide swings in the world where um, the tides go way out. And basically when this low tide, bears come down and feed on blue mussels and crabs and fish and different stuff. Hmm. And so on low tide, you take your boat out and you see bears on the, on the banks. And then you, from your boat, the typical way that Steve Rinella likes to hunt them, put your, you, you have a canoe with you in your big boat oh, okay yeah. put the canoe in canoe downwind of the bear they're, they're pretty tolerant of a boat out a couple hundred yards they're just not interested in stuff in the water yeah you know if you get within 150 200 yards they do and you can't shoot them out of a boat and so you see a bear you put your canoe in step from your boat in the canoe paddle downwind get on shore and then stalk them and typically you know you can bow hunt them a lot of guys are rifle hunting. And uh, Steve Rinella had the idea for years of using a wetsuit. He's a big, he's a big. Uh, uh, diver. Yeah, he's a big diver. Yeah, yeah. spear fisher. Spear fisherman. Yep. And so he knew all the gear, knew the people to get gear from, and, and knew that you could manage being in that cold water. This is like far north, you know. Yeah. And, uh, Was this your first time in a wetsuit? Yeah. I was about to say. I mean, I, Not I, I a had a lot of use for a wetsuit around here. I had it, you know. I mean, I I, I got it before I went and whatnot, and, and messed around with it. Sure. But, uh, Looked but, at yourself in the mirror, made sure you look good. No, <laughs> yeah, no, I do not look good in a wetsuit. Yeah. I don't um, think anybody looks good in a wetsuit. <laughs> yeah. To be honest. And so Steve was like, "Man, I've always wanted to use a wetsuit and just swim up to him," and it, that was about it. And I, I just said, "Well, let's do it. Let's I'll do, do it." it. Yeah. And he said, "Well." okay, there's some logistical challenges you're going to have to figure out, like carrying your bow. And, and he had the idea of a boogie board, just a just a, a styrofoam, little cheap, like $14 boogie board that I bought, spray-painted okay. it, put some holes in like it. Like what you get at the Walmart in Destin. 
Yeah, oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> like tight, like yeah, like weighs like half a pound, uh-huh. but three foot long, probably eighteen inches wide. I drilled two holes through it, and put some hay string through it, and tied my bow onto that boogie board, and put my range finder clipped onto the bow, and basically, it, it, the story's longer than you probably we we want to tell, but long story short. I tried to kill one without the wetsuit for a couple of days, stalking the canoe. Get yeah, on and stalk. yeah, okay. and 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 got close to some bears, and 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 that at work. I mean, like you can kill them that way. Yeah. Uh, but we we made multiple stalks and got within thirty yards multiple times, but just the wind would switch or 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 they the bear wouldn't turn right. So there, there's a lot of bears. You're seeing a lot of bears, and so the the second day that I hunted, um. It was like, hey, let's try the wetsuit. So put on the wetsuit and had uh, a, a cameraman with me. And we sat on this island. There was a small island out from a point where we'd been seeing a bunch of bears. And basically, we saw this bear from the island, jumped in, swam across a canal. While we were swimming, the bear was coming towards us. We didn't realize that we're out in the middle of this canal. And the bear pops up like within bow range. We float float down, get behind a big rock. I get my bow untied, put my release on, get back in the water, swim just right up to it, 12 yards. Are you just holding the bow above the water at this point? I'm pulling it on the boogie board. Oh, you still got it on the boogie. Well, I, I left my boogie board behind the rock, and this time I'm... And are you standing on the... I, I am in basically waist-deep deep water, water, but hunkered down just That's where so my cool. neck is sticking out of the water. Uh-huh. And it, at this point, I wasn't worried about the bow. Bow's yeah. underwater. Yeah. Like, bow's like half underwater. Yeah. <laughs> and we just went, and the wind was good, and just I just got right up where I could see the bear good and just raised up, drew the bow 12 yards, shoot, pass through, bear falls, rolls. If it rolled one more time, it rolled in the ocean. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it was a pretty neat experience. Dude, that's epic. That's amazing. Yeah, it's a pretty neat experience. It's probably one of the cooler bear stories out there. <laughs> it uh, it was it was a great tactic, man. I mean, like it it just works well, and it's it it uh yeah they can yeah. There's a, I could talk about it for an hour. So you're the first man to kill a bear legally over bait in Arkansas, <laughs> and the first man to kill a bear off a boogie board. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> I, I think now, if somebody else had done it before, we would know about it because yeah, that's yeah. a pretty wild story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The boogie board bear. The boogie board that's bear. That's fantastic. It, it, it was well documented, so it, it'll be out, and you'll see it on Meat Eater at some point. That'll Heck be cool yeah. to watch. That it'll is be, cool. It was well documented, so it'll, that'll be fun. I, I'm looking forward to seeing that. How does uh how does the deer tie into everything? Yeah, let's do another epic hunting story. You'd mention that as part of the story of yeah. landscaping business, jumping into media. How does how does that affect things? Yeah. So that deer, it was in 2007. And I, I'd seen that deer early in the season. And I uh, I hunted that deer for 15 straight mornings with my bow and killed it, finally killed it on October 18th. 2007 and that deer i wrote three articles about that deer never never considered writing had never written but i just killed this deer and at the time the arkansas sportsman's magazine was kind of the the big thing regionally okay and i i hunted down the editor 
through some connections and was just like, hey, I, I killed a big deer in Arkansas. How about I write a story? And he was a young guy named Patrick Hogan um, who was not much not much older than me or maybe as old as me at the time. And he was like, yeah, it'd be great. Write a story. So I wrote a story. He kind of encouraged me. And then I reached out to Bowhunter Magazine and wrote an article for them. It was a different article, but yeah. it was the, the same buck. Okay. And and this buck, it's it's a good deer. You know, it's got, I think it's got 21 scoreable points and scored 169 inches gross. And uh, biggest deer I'd, I'd ever killed. And, I mean, there's a there's a long story. Just palmated antlers, too. I mean. Yeah. And so I, I wrote an article for Bowhunter and then wrote an article also for North American Whitetail. All different articles. And, and, and so I had three articles published about that deer. Mm-hmm. And that's what uh, that's what got me into the outdoor space. It just kind of I was like, wow, I could write articles. Yeah. And so the <laughs> next year, I think I had two articles published, and the next year, I think I had ten articles. And the most I ever had was about twenty five articles, maybe around two thousand eleven. I think I had published twenty five articles in a year, freelance articles okay. with just different bow hunting magazines. Was doing a lot of whitetail stuff. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's where I really got my start in the outdoor industry. Gotcha. And then started Arkansas Black Bear Association, had this regional magazine, and then in 2013 got Bear Hunting Magazine. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're chugging along. You've got Bear Hunting Magazine. Um, you mentioned you had a podcast. I remember actually you had mentioned, Clay, to me back probably in 2018 or 2019, and I had gone and listened to some of your podcasts on Bear Hunting Magazine podcasts. And you were like, man, this guy, he's down in West Fork. He's a local guy. He's hes doing a really cool thing. So I'd gone and checked it out. I'm curious now, at what point did um, the the meat-eater relationship start to happen? And, like, how did you know when they were kind of first noticing you? Like, what, what was yeah. that very first thing? Like, like oh, there's meat-eater, and, and they're reaching out to me, or they're noticing what I'm doing, or anything like that. Sure. You know, I... I would I emailed Steve Ranella in probably 2015. Okay. Before he was ultra famous. Okay. And uh, I don't think he would even remember it. Was this he still had the meat eater brand, or was it he, even just getting even that? Was I think he probably had meat off. eater, but the meat eater that we know pretty much came into existence in 2018. Okay. Like the, like the big meat eater that's like had a lot of different mm-hmm. avenues and yeah. Netflix and all this stuff, you know. So, so I had a connection with him years ago, but really he wouldn't have known my name. Okay. He, he wouldn't have. I don't think he remembers it. Why did you reach out to him? Oh, bear stuff. Like, uh, he, he had killed some bears. Makes sense. Bear. And, uh, he, Steve's always loved bears. And, uh, I, I think I wanted to use a photo of him in the magazine or something. Okay. And one time I asked him to write something for me and, uh, and he didn't do it, but, uh, <laughs> but. You know, we, so I had small connection with him, but he was always somebody that I really genuinely respected in the outdoor space more than anybody. I mean, long before I worked for him, long before I ever thought I would, I was like, Steve Rennell is doing something different. He he's he's unique. He's authentic. Like there's a lot of good stuff, and he, I mean, man, you know, it might sound like I'm I'm buttering up, you know, the guy I work for, but. <laughs> I mean, he changed the hunting industry. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like single-handedly. 
just by bringing in this kind of academic, philosophical movement away from, you know, 30 buck kills and 30 minutes on this DVD and stuff that I grew up loving. Yeah. But it, he he put a different narrative on it that was so so compelling and, and fit. It's like mm-hmm. it, my family literally was raised on deer meat and bear meat. I mean, we didn't think it was cool. It's just what we ate. Right. I mean, we were we we didn't have a ton of money. I didn't grow up that way. I mean, I grew up in a very middle class family, and in uh, wild game. Like my dad will tell you that. When he was a, a rural, well, he grew up in, in in Arkansas, so I mean it's pretty much rural. But he grew up in Hot Springs, which okay. at the time was like a big city, yeah, uh, to him. And and he grew up with parents that were, you know, his grand, his dad was in World War II, and man, they were trying to get away from all this poverty, and and the poor people ate deer meat. Poor people ate squirrels. Mm-hmm. They literally were running away from it. Like, and my dad liked to hunt and stuff. Yeah. But I mean, it was not like a crown jewel to eat a deer steak at our house at all. Like, kind of. They wanted to eat beef, man. Yeah. They were trying to move up in the world, if you will. Yes. Oh, 100%. And that's the way it was. Okay. And then, and then I was all, I always thought that was kind of weird, just naturally. I was just like, now, why don't we? This is pretty cool. To yeah. Kill a deer and eat it, and, yeah. and um, and so when I got married and lived on my own, we lived off deer meat. I mean, like it wasn't a game. You know, we we were going through college and had four kids, and I was bow hunting and wasn't and, for the Instagram. No, and yeah. Renella comes along, yeah. and all of a sudden says that's cool, yeah, and we were like, what? It is. <laughs> Nobody had told us this was cool. Yeah. And, you know, hunt what you eat and all the stuff that we were already doing, but nobody told us it was cool. Nobody told us it was sophisticated. Nobody told us that it was organic and healthy and, you know, it, it just put a new spin on it that that really changed the hunting space. And then, you know, not going after big bucks and, and a lot of the things he did, I really respected. And uh, so, long story short, I... At at some point, I was invited to be on the Meat Eater podcast, I think in 2020. Okay. Maybe 2019. I think 2019. And that was the shock of my life. I was, I was in the bear world um, talking about baiting bears and hunting with hounds. And mainstream, the mainstream world didn't want to have anything to do with that. And I kind of figured... Mediator didn't either, to be honest with you. And uh, he invited me on Mediator podcast. And at the time, it for real was like the biggest thing that ever happened in my career. Yeah. Uh, at the like, time, what the heck is going on? There was, there was a, I feel like I've never said this to Steve, but I feel like there was a time, well, kind of like the, there was a time when if you went on Joe Rogan, you became famous and your business like went crazy. Exploded. Yeah. For real. There was a, there was a sweet, and, and, and today it's still very influential to be on Rogan. But there was a time where if you were on Joe Rogan, like, you, like, made it. Mm-hmm. There was a time when I feel like Meat Eater was the same way. Okay. The Meat Eater podcast. Okay. So for you to get invited, you're yes. like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, I'm making it. This is about to happen. 100%. Like, it was a big deal. Big deal for me to go and be on Meat Eater. And, uh, and man, Vernella, I, I still, after working with him closely for three years now, I still have so much respect. But 
he's such a goober. He, uh, he, uh, <laughs> I remember when I went there, like, he, he didn't greet me. Just like, I flew all the way to Bozeman to be on this podcast. <laughs> and it's like, you just sit down in a chair and he hardly acknowledged me. Podcast comes on. We talk for two hours. And then, you know, it's like, I just walk out. And it's like, like, all right, go home. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and, and at the time, I knew I, I wasn't offended. I was just like, I, I guess that's the way he rolls. Yeah. Uh, he's not from the South. He's where must, we'd must be, be a like, busy hey, fella. man, good to, good to see you. Thanks yeah. for coming up. I Let's think see. we chatted for 40 minutes before he sat down. Oh, yeah, here, we were. So. Yep, absolutely. It's a South yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, I, we had a great time. And and he was, I mean, engaged. And, I mean, I, I you know, I... We enjoyed, you know, I enjoyed being on the podcast, but heard nothing until like a year later when uh, he called me and just said, hey, you want to come work for Meteor? I mean, literally, he wrote me a one-sentence email with no greeting or or didn't say my name. He wrote me a one-sentence email. I would say this if he was sitting here. A one-sentence email that said, what's your cell phone number? And I just, I mean, it was like, uh, you know, and I just. You're like, is this spam? I don't understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I no, it was a big deal, man. It, it was a life-changing deal. Yeah. And when, 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 so I gave him my cell phone number and he's like, I want to call you. And so he called me. And I mean, pretty much we had like a four-minute conversation and he was like, uh, you want to come work for me here? And I was like, well, I mean, maybe. Uh <laughs> You know what are we what are we talking about here? I've got, got a, a business and and uh, and and no, he he was he was just like, man, we like what you're doing. You know, we'd love to have you come be on the meter team. He said you could keep. You know, you at the, our current arrangement was I could still operate Bear Honey Magazine. Yeah, and and I did for a year into meat eater. I owned and operated Bear Honey Magazine. Okay as well as did the meteor stuff. And you know? so what were you doing at the time? Cause I'm curious, like what was the original vision? Kind of how did it start? And then with meteor. Yeah. Like for you coming on, what was the original vision for yeah. bringing you on? They wanted me to do a podcast. Okay. That was, that was it. And, and just be a part of the, the meteor team. Like I, I was hired on as a, as a full-time employee, even though I was doing work for okay. bear hunting magazine. And now nah, as much as I'm, Sounds like I'm bad mouth and Ranella. Man, they they have they've been an incredible company to work for. Mm. They've given me so much freedom, so much support. Everything they've said to me, they've done. Um, I mean, I just got I've got a lot of I've got a lot of respect for for them. I really do. And and going into it, I, I didn't know if I would or not. I mean, for real, it's like yeah. it all looks good on the outside, but. Right. When you get in there, like, what's it going to be like? And, yeah. And well, I told him, I told him from the very beginning, I didn't deal with Steve through all the, you know, I just kind of dealt with Steve at first, and then they kind of handed me off to the other people in the organization that work on this kind of stuff. Send a few longer emails and yeah, yeah, answer yeah. the question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I remember they were talking, and, and I said, I said, I don't know if I'll be a good employee or not. I said, I've never had a real job mm. my whole life. Uh, I've always worked for myself. Never had a boss. I was joking with him, obviously. But <laughs> but it was true. I'd never had a – I hadn't – I had worked for myself for so long. Mm -hmm. Landscaping, uh, the magazine, and I said, you know, probably the biggest challenge for me will 
will be kind of being a part of a, a corporation, you know. I mean, right. Meter's a big, big corporation now. and uh, But it's been great. They've been fantastic. That's so really encouraging have. to hear because, I mean, you never know with the yep. what's the the kind of public-facing face and then what happens behind the scenes. But I've loved Meat Eater ever since they came on the scene, and you just hope they're as good as they look on TV yeah. as far as their friendships and their love for what they do and, yeah, the way they pursue the outdoors. One thing you're actually mentioning it earlier, but I'll talk to people who they're not, maybe not anti-hunting, but they're, you know, hunting's not their thing. It's not been a part of their culture, their heritage growing up, or uh, they they probably think it's just mean or whatever. It's mm-hmm. it's not something you do as a civilized person. Inhumane or something. It, yeah, and they love meat eater. Yeah, and it, y'all have done such a good job of showing. There's actually a lot of history within this. There's a lot more than just pursuing an animal and right. killing it. We can actually do it in a way that's tasteful that I actually think is has kind of helped elevate. I mean, I know it has because it's a huge brand, but I mean, it's elevated um, conservation and care and, mm-hmm. and like love for natural resources, but also mm-hmm. making that lifestyle okay again, where it maybe felt like it wasn't for a little bit. Uh, yeah. There's probably a time where it's kind of contested of like, are we going to do this as modern Americans yeah. or where are we going here? And yeah. I don't know. I appreciate it because that's how I grew up. That's what I grew up doing. It's like, I want this to be okay. I, I don't want people to think I'm weird if I tell them I bow hunt on the weekends or, <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Just love what y'all do. I, I uh, It's fun talking to friends who watch it on Netflix and they're like, and it's on Netflix, which says something because yeah. Netflix isn't going to put a kill 30 bucks in 30 minutes mm-hmm. on, yeah, on the show true. on there. So. Sure. All right, that's it for part one. Stick around for part two coming out next week. As always, if you enjoyed this one and want to support the show, leave us a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with a buddy. We'll see you on the next one. This podcast is hosted by Kyle V and Kyle Plunkett and produced by Daniel Matthews. For guest recommendations, episode ideas, and general questions, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram or email us at theozarkpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, We love making this show and being able to offer this podcast to y'all for free. But if you're listening and you want to support the Ozark Podcast to allow us to travel even further and meet more interesting people, head over to our Patreon and sign up to join our most loyal listeners. Let me tell you, these folks are 100% certified Ozarkins. And of course, we can't forget to thank our good buddy, J.D. Clayton, providing the amazing music for today's episode check out his website to see where he's touring next at jdclaytonofficial.com 